Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Ad News Podcast. The podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hi, and welcome to the Ad News Podcast, recorded at Forbes Street Studios. I'm Ad News Senior Journalist Josh McDonnell, and today I'm joined by Mediacom's Chief Investment Officer, Claire Butterworth, and Publicist Media Exchange's Commercial Director, Jodie Frazier. Thank you for both for being on it. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So today's discussion is really around uh, the first six months in television, around expectations, dominant shows, dominant networks, BVOD, and a few of the latest developments that have come up over the past week. I thought we'd kick off, though, with the current state of play between the networks. Uh, You know, all signs earlier maybe point to a bit of dominance by nine, but I know speaking to you both prior to this, there may be some differing opinions. Yeah. Um, So, look... Nine absolutely dominated uh, the beginning of the year. Um, You know, they've taken, traditionally, um, we used to look at the quarters like, you know, seven would own quarter one, nine would own Q2. um, And they've really flipped that with Married at First Sight, of course, which has been a ratings bonanza. Um, And so, you know, it's hard to um, come back after Q1 if you if you hit it really hard in Q1 and then you have a good follow-up in Q2, which they did with The Voice, um, you know, that just leads to a successful year. So um, now they've got Ninja um, and it it's it's pretty much what they told us they would do in the upfronts at the end of last year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they've had a really strong start to the year. I think there's almost a perception versus reality as well. I mm. mean, you know, if you look at all three networks, Seven's share and top rating programming and audience is, is broadly in line with, with where it was the year prior. So I don't think there's been any fundamental shift um, from Seven's, Seven's perspective. I think it's more a challenge around ten's gain, uh, sorry, Nine's gain at, um, at Ten's loss, which is probably more a, a challenge um, for, for Ten and obviously where Nine has been quite instrumental in moving that audience. Yeah, and I do think that Nine out of all three has a much bigger um uh, trade uh, presence. Uh, they're really good at selling themselves to us. They're really good at selling themselves to the market. There's a reason why everybody's very focused on them being number one. Mm. And I do think Seven's been quite quiet this year. They seem really focused on Tokyo. Um, and, you know, we're not hearing about their sort of daily, weekly wins as often as we hear about Nines. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I think that um, Nines, obviously, with the broader ecosystem and the and the buyout of Fairfax, has 
caused a, a significant restructure. And I think obviously Steve-O's got now quite a significant amount of heavy bench strength um, when you look at each of the disciplines that they now have. Um, not to say that, that seven don't, but I would agree with you. They've, they've probably been a little bit quieter a market. Um, but again, I think it's when you start to actually really digest the numbers as well. I mean, I think the relentless dissatisfaction from um, Steve and Hunwick on their power <laughs> ratio will will yeah. continue for for probably the end of time, really. Um, but you know, I think I think it's it's really now around how ten can start to claw some of that audience back because we need three strong competing networks, and I think all three networks would agree that that's what you need within the marketplace. If you don't, that leads to all sorts of inventory pressures and I guess pricing pressures from from the two dominant networks mm. as well. And and it puts 10 in an unstable position, um, which is not what we want. So I think seeing the results of um, Survivor last night is, you know, the first signs of, of green shoots, which I think is really positive. Bachelor and Bachelorette look quite good as well. I feel like there's been quite a bit more trade marketing from 10 on in the last, what, two, three months mm. as well. Absolutely. Um, so... Again, I'm I'm keen to see where where ten sort of net out, um, especially post this Master Chef um, PR as well. Yeah, and I mean it's it is really, I mean this is always ten's quarter. This is their time to shine. Um, it's when they've got their like their three biggest franchises. So um, I think it's a really uh, it will be really interesting to see how how um, they go um, because uh, apart from the block, uh, there's not a huge amount of new um, big name shows coming out for the other two. Mm. And I was actually oh, going back to sort of reflecting on that first half of the year as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, you touched on Made at First Sight and that gave us a lot to think about, you know, from a personal morality point of view watching it, <laughs> but also, you know, from how it kicks off the year off the back of the Australian Open. Um, and, you know, speaking to the, you know, the programming directors at the beginning of the year, both 7 and 10 sort of indicated that Oscar did really well for 10. Both networks sort of indicated there might be a bit of a focus on trying to knock maths off its perch, you know, next year. Do you think that's a, you know, a viable strategy for them or is it maybe something they should focus less on and try to pick up, you know, at this point of the year? Uh, look, maths will knock itself off its perch if it continues to go down the road that it's currently going on. Um, there's, uh, we, we've seen it with other programs. We've seen it a little bit with uh, My Kitchen Rules, but there's only so far you can go before audiences completely switch off. And one mm. of the things that really worked for maths was the love stories in it. Um, and this year there was like one. Um, it is really important that all three have a really strong start. I do think they need to focus on on their Q1 offer. It's less about less about like overthrowing maths because I, it, it's a, it's a moot point really. Um, more about just getting really, really good content straight out of the gate. Um, you know, coming off the sport straight into ratings period that you just need three viable options. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important that the, the promotion's incredibly tight through the, the sport over the summer period with particularly with cricket and tennis um, and I guess for Channel 10 how they then counteract the the loss of um, internal promotion that they can do and I guess what their marketing strategy is to kind of ensure that they are still reaching the masses with with what their Q1 slate is because that'll be critically important for them as well. And I mean obviously the success of sport was a bit disjointed this year with you know the Australian Open doing reasonably well comparative to what the Big Bash did for mm -hmm. seven. Do you think that seven will have to really refocus on that coming to the tail end of this year as well? I know this morning, um, 
Cricket Australia announced that they're actually going to shorten the season by the number of days. Like, is that a strong, that's a strong move, you think? Or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Big Bash is so important to cricket overall mm. and uh, moving Big Bash onto 10 in the first place just, you know, it really created a new um, love of the sport. You know, we were starting to see cricket really fade, including like kids um, doing cricket as a sport because it had just sort of disappeared. Um, so Big Bash is incredibly important. I do think, you know, it got a little long yeah. um, and and always if you can keep a season a little bit shorter, it it just keeps um, audiences interested. I mean, you don't want, that's the worst case scenario is like losing the audience along the way and then the final happens and no one's watching it. Mm. Um, so I think that's a, a great move. Um, and I think, you know, Seven has a, has an, a really rich history of sport and they, they know what they're doing, I think. Uh, this year was their their first crack, and I think as they move into um, the back end of this year and the beginning of next year, I think they'll really um, see the ratings grow for Big Bash, and it'll be a great success. Awesome. Um, and I guess the other part of this is uh, I've had a bit of an interest in is sort of what have the clients been thinking? What have the clients been telling you about the way that the networks have been operating? You know, have they got, you know, you mentioned to me earlier there might have been some frustrations from you guys not having three equal networks, you know, doing well. Are clients sort of seeing that with a bit of frustration? Do you both? Oh, I don't know if it's necessarily frustrating. I mean, I think, it, I, I think that at the moment, as, as we sort of said, we need, we need three in, incredibly strong networks. Um, it's important for the market. It's important for Think TV. It's important for all of the commercial networks as well to all be firing at the same time. I guess it's managing the cannibalization of audience. Um, are clients concerned around it? I don't think so. I think it, I, I mean, I'm sure there are t- to a degree, but it's up to the agencies as well to to ensure that, you know, there is still seamless delivery of, of campaigns and that the agencies are evaluating, you know, where we're investing our clients' money effectively. So, um, you know, I think that's that's the responsibility of us as, as agency leaders to, to manage that accordingly. And I won't be cheeky and ask a dollar figure or anything like that, but <laughs> it, are you seeing a shift in the way that clients want to spend with the other networks based on the early performances this year? I think, I mean, look, the, the, you know, marketing budget's under more pressure than ever. Um, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, there's also a very um, strong pitching rotation at the moment and, and some of them are very procurement-led, which is all around price, and some of them are not. Um, but, you know, we, we need to be driving ROI and, and delivering that value back to them. I mean, you know, the other thing is that, you know, networks have got limited inventory. It's it's not like, a you know, some of the competitive platforms in other media channels where you can have far more inventory. There, there's limited amounts and, you know, they need to be yield managing that accordingly. So I think for us it's managing clients expectations, managing expectations with media media owners and, and trying to find the balance. Mm. And I guess the other part here is to a little bit of the predictions for the remainder of the year, I suppose, you know, or what would you like to see the networks do differently, <laughs> continue to do? I mean, look, I think Nine would probably like everyone to say, just keep doing what they're doing, <laughs> but... I mean, what we would like <laughs> is for a really, really strong 10 to come out in the, in the second half because it makes uh, our jobs... Um, easier. It makes client results better. You know, it, it's real competition. Um, what I think will happen is we'll see a little bit of a comeback from 10 in, in H2, but um, I think nine will end the year winning the demos. I yeah. think seven will end the year winning the total people. There's no chance that nine, nine can win the total people? 
Oh, look, if I'm perfectly honest, I don't really spend much time looking at total people. (laughs) I mean, we're we're very much around delivery for for our clients. I I know they care um, and that's totally fine, but I'm I'm much more around the demos and probably the board 2554 for me. So if that's that's delivering, then, you know, happy days. And if they win the year, all the power to them. Yeah, I mean, truly for us, it's the demos. Mm. Um, But I know, you know, there's legacy... Um, you know, win the year on total people. And Seven just has always done a great job on that. Um, and I think, you know, what's well, so one thing we didn't touch on was maybe sort of some new format. And you actually did mention this with, you know, maths possibly knocking itself off the perch over time. Uh, you know, there was a bit of a trend this year with shows that have been around for a while, like MasterChef and MKR sort of starting to slide, whereas a new sort of, not format, but idea like Lego Masters, which taps into existing reality show formats, but with a new spin does really, really well. I mean, is that something that TV needs to start considering is, you know, not leaning so heavily on its tent poles and trying to find? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In short? (laughs) The answer is yes. Uh, I think in Australia, we have a a real tradition and not just in television, in everything of getting something, it's good, riding that out till it dies and then (laughs) going, oh no, I need a new something. What would be great is if we could refresh, um, like refresh their tent poles every five years Mm. Um, because, you know, and you see it all the time and, you know, it's not just us. You see it with um, overseas programming as well. You know, if if something does well and it was only supposed to be one season, they'll make a second season, Big Little Lies, um, that was not necessarily uh, up to the the standard of the first. Um, And I think, you know, if we could... I understand why reality is so important. I understand why tent poles are important. Um, we just need to mix it up, whether it's new hosts, a different format. Um, you know, we can't have 10 the blocks on every year. And, um, you know, these things that go for 10 years, they eventually lose their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the networks have acknowledged that as well. If you look at like Ninja Warrior, which had a much shorter season and a number of eps and I guess total minutage, which was which was really good. And I think that also, you know, sort of attributed to why it did as well as it did particularly in the... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. First season. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's a really difficult one for the networks. I mean, you know, reality is often a lot cheaper to produce than things like dramas and, and comedies and those sorts of genres and it's balancing, I guess it's balancing the budgets and particularly in Australia without the, you know, I guess the pockets when you sort of look at the, the Amazons and the Netflixes of the world, it um, it does create a bit of a, a balance that they need to work through. But I do think that we need to make sure that the programming is being refreshed and, you know, it's not sort of same old, same old and becoming wallpaper because then, you know, audience engagement isn't as high as what, what we really would like it to be. Okay. And I mean, look, I'll, I'll ask a direct question about 10 indirectly, but I suppose, <laughs> is this where we all ended, expected to be halfway through the year when it came to television? Did we really, did you both expect this to be how the report card played out? For, for 10 specifically? For 10 specifically, I suppose, you know, yeah. Um, oh, look, I mean, I think, I think 10's, 10's had a bit of a, a challenging year and I, I think that's, you know, but, but having said that though, celebrity did did reasonably well. I think it did well in the demos they were aiming for. MasterChef broadly did quite well as uh, on that sort of scale as well. I think there's probably some pockets outside of that 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 I think the programming may not have necessarily been strong enough to to sort of plug the gaps between those tentpole programs. I guess for me, with the ownership of CBS, I I probably by now would have I don't expect it. Maybe expected. Um, to see some more injection either through capital or through different programming or or another element like that at this point given given the ownership changes. Um, that's not to say that I don't have confidence in 10 because I do. I just think given CBS and the, the capital that it has behind it, trying to work through where, where I would expect 10 to be, I think I probably haven't seen the, the blueprint yet that sort of solidifies that for me. And for nine and seven, Jody, did you sort of expect them to be where they are now? Like, did they play out the way you expected? Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you look at their uh, lineup for this year in the first half, and you look at their lineup for last year in the first half, there's not a lot of differences. Um, so really, all that happened at the beginning of the year for them was the sport change. Mm. Um, but you know, this is what I expected. Um, nine has a really, really strong. Uh, front half of programming and so do seven. Mm. And traditionally, you know, uh, they'll always find themselves number one and two. So um, I think it's, um, I don't think that, that that gap has increased any. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, this is where we expected them to be. And I guess moving screens, um, but not from television. So BVOD, obviously, um, sorry, broadcast video on demand. I've always <laughs> got to put the full word before the acronym, don't I? Um, you know, that's actually, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think TV reported a really great growth of 43% on last year. Um, so I wonder, you know, how have you seen it go over the first six months of this year? You know, is it on track with what you thought it was going to do? Well, I mean, the biggest problem with BVOD for us as buyers is that 43% on what? Like, we do not have enough clarity on measurement on BVOD at the moment. Um, we really can't see, um, you know, what they're doing together, what the what what like how many people are watching seven and nine BVOD. Um, all we have is their um, the people who log in and their subscribers. Um, so that's frustrating. Mm. Um, so I know that they're growing. I don't know how much. Um, we do buy a lot of BVOD, um, and it it performs really well against all the traditional metrics that it should. Um, but it's 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 hard to say. I mean. Our clients have been uh, probably putting 
between 10 and 20% of their television budgets into BVOD for the last three or four years. Um, and it and it works. It's It works. Mm. It's great. Um, but we need, like, a lot of clarity around what actual delivery is. And, you know, that still really hasn't been released to us in any meaningful way. We need virtual laws. We need VOS. Yeah. 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 Um, and and everything else. <laughs> that That's the starting point. Like, VOS is great. Yep. VOS is excellent. VOS is television extension. Um, it's not and it's not a, a digital measurement of BVOD. Mm. Um, and it would be great if we could have both. And Claire, what have your thoughts been on the uh, so, so the start of the year for BVOD and um, maybe around maybe the, what the strategies of the networks are doing to, you know, sort of promote it and, you know, get it across better to both agencies and clients? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think broadly as, as a, you know, sub-medium, whatever you want to call it. I think it's, I think the actual BVOD um, platforms on each of the networks have, have definitely improved over the last sort of 12, 24 months. Um, I think they've done a good, I think the agencies have worked collaboratively, um, both from a BVOD and linear TV point of view to try and merge them. So the way that we're at Mediacom sort of going around our um, video neutral planning and those sorts of um, approaches we're taking is definitely reaping a lot of reward for our clients. Uh, I think that the platforms are all quite strong. I think individually some of them have got a little bit more work to do, but I do think that's where the audience is. That's where we need to be following that audience because the role of, you know, video is to deliver often large scale um, quickly at mass. So, um, you know, we welcome the extension, but I agree with Jodie, we need to ensure that we've got the methodology and, and the results um, quickly. Well, yeah, quickly, quickly. I think we're all sort of hoping for that. Um, and it's, are there any sort of, uh, I suppose there are any programs that you've noticed that work particularly well on BVOD? Because obviously, you know, the temples we've just discussed are normally quite reality-based or are all reality-based. Um, is there anything on BVOD that does a bit differently? I know SBS, you know, they lean on their quality drama lineup and have arguably been given the, you know, t uh, title of the best in market in many ways. So yeah. look, SBS uh, On Demand is fantastic. And I think the greatest part about SBS On Demand is there is, is so much content on that platform that never goes on the television. <laughs> Right, so they've really given themselves a brand new audience of people. Like it, it, it isn't necessarily SBS television watchers; it's a whole new group. I think the way that they um, also launch some programs on BVOD first and then television, you know, they've really um, excelled. And their back catalogue is drama. So if you think about um, the sort of content profile of SBS, it is high drama. Um, and then if you think about something that's done really well on BVOD for um, 7, 9 or 10, you know, the standout is Love Island, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So it's it's more of the same kind of formats they already show. But again, it's a slightly different audience to the main channel. Um, so I think they've, you know, uh, Nine is starting to do some really interesting strategies more along the lines of what SBS has been doing. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, that is the way to drive audiences to those platforms and that's how they'll see more growth as well as younger viewers. Awesome. And I think the missing child here that we haven't mentioned is Foxtel. Um, and there was some pretty big news yesterday uh, of Netflix partnering or integrating into the Foxtel platform. Yeah, um, it's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. 
Um, I just think, you know, the winners are the subscribers, right? Mm. Um, I, the the package prices come down. Um, you know, I, I personally went through a whole thing where I was like, maybe I should switch to Fetch. I don't know. It's all getting too much for me. Yeah. And the minute I heard this deal, I was like, wow, now I can just stay with Foxtel and have everything. Um, so the winners are the subscribers. If the subscribers are winning, then we're winning as advertisers yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they'll hold people to the platform. I think it's really clever that they've kept they'll keep people in their ecosystem while they're watching Netflix. They'll they'll keep people in their ecosystem while they watch SBS On Demand. And, you know, for us as advertisers, it, like, it gives you the confidence that you're going to be actually reaching some Netflix <laughs> subscribers yes. at some time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, I just I could not be more excited for them. Um, I think it's just, like, it's just they've done a great job. That's an interesting point. So what, yeah. there's sort of backdoor advertising for Netflix by being on board with Foxtel? Secretly. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's great. I think it's also going to keep the Foxtel audience stickier, which is which is like what they want to, to avoid churn. Um, and I think also programmatically it's definitely going to help when you're talking to MCN and, and looking at how we can start to programmatically trade with a much wider audience as well. I think that's going to be incredibly beneficial for um, for a lot of advertisers. Yeah. Yeah, certainly looking at it yesterday as well, you know, getting a demo and walkthrough for it, it definitely first thing that dropped to mind is wow, there's gonna be so much more pre roll on Foxtel than ever before. <laughs> but I mean <laughs> it's a good opportunity for MCN and you know, they're already doing stuff with their six second ads, they're already tampering around with ad loads, so surely this is a beneficial thing for them as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I had someone ask me uh, this morning if um you know, if this is Foxtel moving away from their linear roots mm. and I was like Foxtel has been video on demand since the invention of the IQ box. Like they led that um, innovation, and this is this is what you expect from Foxtel in terms of keeping up with innovation and keeping their products fresh. Um, and 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 of course, it gives MCN just a million other things to sell and a million more ways to do it. Um, I yeah, it's it that they're back at the forefront of television innovation. Um, you might have to ignore that email. That might have been my question that came through regarding that linear no. thing. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit embarrassed now. Um, I think to, you know, I, I think we've covered most of the bases here, but I think one of the things I'm interested in is what's the programming that you've got your eye on for the end of the year here, you know? And for me, it's Love Island to see if it can repeat some of that magic even while going onto a main channel. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I'd just like to get your thoughts on, yeah, what the programming to keep an eye on for is. Um, I think we're going to see, I'd, I'd like, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to have a good, um, season of Bachelor and Bachelorette for 10. I'd, mm. I'd like to see that, that succeed. Um, particularly if, if survivors, you know, night, night one, um, if night two continues onwards, um, that'll give them a nice pre-promotion moving forward. Personally, I'm quite excited about seeing Sea Change come back on Channel 9. <laughs> I love Dive Down. Um, so I'd, I'd be interested to see if they can manage to re recalibrate that nostalgia that they had for that, um, that particular program. And I like a good Aussie drama. I don't think there's, I think there's, there's good ones out there, but I don't think that necessarily they get the the main broad opportunity to to deliver that audience. Um, so they're probably for me the the main few. Um, 
yeah, I think seven's got a reasonably good slate as well going into into the back half. I mean, the block should do reasonably well being out of being out of Melbourne, just finishing off nine. Um, but yeah, I think I think seven's back back half looks all right as well. Um, I'm really excited about the cricket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone on this who likes cricket as much as I do. Uh, cricket's <laughs> my number one sport. Oh, um, I'm AFL. Oh, snapsies. <laughs> Um, so I'm really excited about the cricket. I'm really excited to see how Seven um, handles uh, some of the internationals. I'm super excited about the Ashes yeah. um, on nine. Uh, and for ten, I, like, I think the way that they have um, taken the Bachelor fran- franchise and the Bachelorette franchise and made them very Australian has, has been part of the reason it's so successful. Um, and I'm really excited to see... Um, how these two go. Um, I think every year it's, it's, they get one right and maybe the other one not right, yeah. like the girl or the guy. Um, I think this has like got a real good chance of actually being both because mm. Angie's so likeable um, and uh, the very smart man is handsome. Yes, the ast- astrophysicist. Mm. Yes. <laughs> the very, smart, the very man. smart man is very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, look, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's everything that I wanted to talk through, but I just want to say thanks for, very much for both coming on and, you know, taking the time to share your thoughts on that. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for having us. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.